0: our surveys, one of the questions that we had on the surveys uh, that we that we went through May 19 in church together um, was what's one thing that you like most about our church? And we left that one just a wide open blank. Uh, And someone put an answer that kind of surprised me and there were hundreds of answers. But one of them said, Christian, I like um, how you're constantly learning from other churches. It makes me feel like as a church we'll just continue to get better. Uh, One of the churches that we have learned the most from uh, in our existence as a church. We started visiting there before we started. Danielle and I have been back since we have started. We've taken some of our volunteer teams back since we have started, uh, is Life Point Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, LifePoint is, uh, is pastored by, um, by someone who actually went to Liberty the exact same time as I did. We roomed on the same floor in the same dorm for a year uh, and didn't know each other extremely well then, but we're reacquainted in our church planning journey a few years ago Uh, And LifePoint Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia, they're seven years old. Um, They are uh, named by Outreach Magazine the eighth fastest-growing church in America. Uh, They actually have two locations. They're still portable, but they run nearly 2,500 people a week. Uh, They had over 900 people saved on Easter Sunday. Uh, I mean, this is a church... That's making a difference in the world uh, and as I look at all of our ministry teams, I've often thought man I wish I could take every volunteer we have to life point and sometimes I think man I wish we could take our entire church I wish we could just charter a couple planes and take our entire church to life point and w- when we began to price that out It was impossible to do so I thought okay How do we get our entire church to see? What's in the heart and culture and vision of life point if we can't go there uh, and god said bring it here so I called Pastor Daniel, uh, who's become a mentor of ours, a coach of ours, a great friend of ours, and said, I would love for you and your wife to come to Kansas City one weekend to spend a day with our staff, to preach to our church, to speak to our volunteers, and just kind of tell us what it is that you're doing. Challenge our hearts the way you've challenged your church, because we want to have impact in our community. And around the world, like you're having an impact in your community and around the world. And he was gracious to take a Sunday off from his church and be here with us. He spent hours with our staff yesterday. He spent almost all evening with Danielle and I last night. Uh, he's here with us this morning. He'll speak tonight at Momentum. Uh, I want you to get your uh, get your sermon notes ready on the back of your bulletin. Get your Bibles ready. Get your pens ready so you can follow along. But would you put your hands together and help me welcome Pastor Daniel Floyd to our stage this morning as uh, as he comes to minister to us. And Tammy, while he's coming, would you stand up and just kind of wave to our people so we know who you are? This is his wonderful wife, Tammy. Um, Old friends, reunited. Pastor Daniel, man, it is so good to have you here this morning.
1: Well, good morning.
0: How is everybody? Let's try that again.
1: How is everyone? Awesome. Well, it is a a real honor to be here today with you. Um, I love your pastor and his wife. Um, It was amazing to get reconnected because if you don't know, Christian is famous. Um, He was the quarterback when I was in school, and which made him famous on campus. And now to reunite with the quarterback um, is kind of makes me famous, (laughs) you know. So I'm just I'm riding the coattails of that fame. No, but seriously, um, I just love the way they lead and what God is doing here. Um, I just, I'm amazed. I really am. I leaned over to Tammy. I go, can you believe they're 20 months in? I can't believe they're 20 months in and what God is doing. I just love the way they lead with humility and integrity, um, which unfortunately is missing sometimes. Um, but I just so appreciate them and what God is doing in and through them. And now to be here, I'm just even more amazed at what God is doing. And I want to encourage you with something. If you're visiting for the first time... Um want to welcome you. I'm not the normal guy. Come back next week. It'll be a lot better. Second, if you're looking for a church, I don't know why you would keep looking after being in this place this morning. Um, some friendly people, amazing worship. Good night. I mean, we could just keep doing that and then go home. Um, but it is it's an incredible place. But I want to encourage you with something that this is home for you. Um, they tell me that the worst place to sit in a concert. I'm not a tech guy. I don't know anything about audio. But they tell me the worst place to sit in a concert is on the front row. At least this is what my audio guys tell me at church when I'm like, hey, this didn't sound too great this morning. They're like, the front row is the worst place. They say the best sound is somewhere in the middle of the room. So remember that when you buy tickets for your next, I don't know what you see around here, um, country concert? (laughs) Yes? No? Okay, anyways, whatever you go to. But here's the deal. They say that the front row, that the sound kind of goes over you and the best sound is somewhere in the middle of the room. That's the sweet spot of the room. And here's what I know about a church like this. When God is moving in such an unusual way, and you've got to know this is unusual, six out of ten church plants don't make it in the first five years. The average church plant never makes it over 100 people, and they end up folding. What God has done here in 20 months is a movement of God, nothing more and nothing less. And don't ever forget that. What God is doing, that's a good place to clap, what God is doing here is unbelievable. And what can happen, though, is every Sunday you're on the front row of a move of God. And you sit on the front row seat. And sometimes you can kind of forget at how great God is moving among you. So don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget how amazing it is what God is doing here. Um, I have the privilege of serving on the board of the Launch Network. And so we just, we're just thrilled. We love hearing stories of what God's doing at Journey Church. And I got a Kansas City Royals hat. So I'm good to go now. I just won't be wearing it a Washington Nationals game just so you know. Hey, if you have a Bible, Genesis 37 is where we're going to be today. I want to talk to you about dreams, about living the dream, about purpose and plans that God has for your life. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, um, we have some available or to be on the screen for you as well. We'd love to give you a copy and you can take that with you. It's your free gift. I don't know if that's true, but I'm giving it to you. So there you go. It's yours. Um, Take it home with you. It won't be stealing. Genesis 37, I want to talk to you about dreams and I need to to lay a foundation because I need to make an assumption and, you know, I don't want to make it because you know what assuming does. You just cursed in your head, stop. (laughs) Um, I need to make this assumption to lay a foundation for everything else I'm going to build on today and it's this, it's that the God of the Bible, the God of Christianity is a God that gives dreams. He's a God that has purpose and plan for all of us Now, I don't know what religious system you grew up in. I don't know what church tradition you grew up in or didn't grow up in. Or maybe you met a church person um, that was mean and you thought God was out because there's mean church people, not here, but there are. And so you thought that maybe God was out to get you. Maybe you had this perspective of God that You're like a bobblehead and he's just waiting to flip you And when you do bad things. Or he's got a holy taser gun and he's just waiting to zap you when you mess up. And that's kind of your perspective of God. But I want you to know that that's not the God of the Scriptures. The God of the Bible is a God that has great purpose and plan for every one of us. No matter your past experience, no matter what you've been through, the choices you've made up till now, maybe you would think, well, just hold on a second, if you were to have coffee with me, I could convince you that God doesn't have a plan for me. I've kind of disqualified myself from that. But according to the Scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So we serve a God that has great plans and great purpose for each and every one of us. As many personalities and individuals as said in this room today, there are plans that God has for you. He has a unique purpose for you to make a difference with your life in the world that is around you. Now, it may not be on a platform. It may be in a home. It may be in a classroom. I don't know where it is for you, but I am confident of this, that God has great plans for you. He has a great dream for you and a great purpose for you. He wants to use you in significant ways To impact the world around you, the sphere of influence that He has put you in. That that is the assumption. Is everybody with me so far? Say, uh huh, if you are. All right, I'm used to people talking back to me, so let's get this going. (laughs) God has a great plan for you. Now, I think the rub comes for most of us and the tension point is that we hear that and think, okay, that's great, preacher, that God has a purpose and God has a plan for me and that's awesome, but I, my current reality doesn't really line up. There is a disconnect between the two. I'm just trying to pay my mortgage. I'm not trying to figure out some purpose or dream that God has for me. I'm just trying to figure out why my you know, son or daughter turned 13 and their brain fell out the back of their head and a demon moved in to their... Y'all with me today? I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, I'm just trying to keep myself from praying that God takes my boss from this earth into other places, maybe not heaven. You know, I'm just, are you all with me this morning? Like, there is a disconnect between this thing of God has purpose in dreams and the current struggles that we go through, because we all go through struggles. We all hit moments in life where we have challenges and struggles. We are usually either going into a struggle in the middle of one or coming out of one. Aren't you glad you came to church? You're encouraged now, right? gee, thanks for that. But it's just the reality of life. There's a cycle and a season to life. And we are often finding ourselves in challenging situations and challenging circumstances in our life. And so there is a disconnect between, okay, this great God that has great plans for me and my current reality. And I want to show you this morning that it could be that the struggles that you and I face aren't working in opposition to the plans of God for our life, but they are actually working in concert with the plans of God. And the purpose of God in our life. I have two kids. Owen is six and Faith is three, going on 21, so you can pray for me. This is my Faithy to give you her personality. She came up to me one day and she goes, Dad, I'm not going to give you a hug. Then she goes, Does that make you sad? (laughs) Pray for me. I'm serious. So I have a six-year-old and three-year-old, and um, so I'm, any dads, you get stuck with uh, putting toys together, right, Christmas Eve? And yes, you're out. Um, do you have Ikea in this area? Okay, we have an Ikea. Don't pray for it to come to your area. We have an Ikea about 30 minutes from us. It's it's the store that charges you like furniture is already put together, but it's not put together. They price it like it is, but then they give it to you in boxes, and you take it home, and you have to put everything together, Right. So I'll, we'll take a trip to Ikea every so often. We have to get something for the kids' room or shelf or whatever it may be. Or maybe it's Christmas Eve and, you know, you know, in the middle of the night I'm putting stuff together. And at the end of it, I always have these pieces left over. And I initially I think, wow, look, this company blessed me. They wanted to give me extra dowel rods and extra screws and stuff. But then I get the directions out of the trash can and begin to walk through. Can I get an amen, fellas? You don't need directions. What are they talking about? Um, I go through them and I find out, okay, um, I, they didn't bless me. <laughs> I missed some things. And so I go back and I put it together because I don't want the thing to fall apart or to blow up or my kid to sit on it or whatever they're using it for. And it injure them because I'm a dad that loves them. And I find out through that a principle that really applies to us, I think, and it's this. That the process that I went through to put the product together... Is only the, the product is only as good, let me say it this way, as the process that I went through in putting it together. If I didn't follow the correct process, then the product that I end up with is faulty at best and dangerous at worst. And I want you to know this morning that there is a process that God takes you and I through in the pursuit of the purpose and the plan, or I would say the dream that He has for us, but the process or the product that He wants to produce in us is only as good as the process that we are willing to embrace and go through. And this is true in the life of a man named Joseph, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Are you still with me? Okay, let me try again. Are you still with me? Great. Here we go, Genesis 37. Um, Before we jump into the story, let me give you a little bit of what's happening with Joseph. Joseph, everyone say Joseph. Joseph. Some of you didn't participate. Joseph? Joseph. Thank you. He's 17 years old. Um, He lives in a dysfunctional family. Now, if you think your family's dysfunctional, you should check out Joseph's family. You know, We all have that aunt that you you have to eat dinner with, or that that one crazy family member that when you invite people with you, you kind of have to give a debrief of what's happening. Listen, before we go in here... There's no telling what they'll say or do. You know, So Joseph, though, has crazy dysfunction going on. He's the 11th of 12 brothers, um, and all 11 brothers hate him. I'm not talking about like, hey, I hate you, or hey, you're more talented, I can't stand, you know, that kind of. I'm talking about like they want him dead. Talk about dysfunction. And on top of that, um, Joseph's dad has just let everybody know he's the favorite. Not like I love you in a different way. You know how parents say that when they like one kid more than the other. I just love you differently. Yeah, whatever. We know. Like in my house, I knew I was the favorite. I just was. And so, but Joseph's dad has just come out. Matter of fact, Joseph's dad likes Joseph so much above the other eleven, he gives him a coat. Maybe you've heard of Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors or the show, the Joseph in the Technicolor Dream Coat. That's this Joseph. And so he gives him a coat to kind of mark him and put him, separate him from everybody else. And So in the midst of all this, Joseph gets a dream. Now you've got to understand in this context that a dream um, is pretty much in that culture, you could just say God spoke to Joseph. They took dreams very seriously. Um, They put a lot of stock in dreams. And so Joseph has this dream, and basically what happens in the dream is that his brothers bow down to him. Then he has a second dream, and in the second dream, Joseph's brothers and his mom and dad bow down to him. So Joseph does something next that I don't know if it was the wisest thing within the tension-filled home, but he gathers his brothers up. (laughs) I don't know about you. I love. I have a loving relationship. I have two older sisters. But if I gather them together and go, hey, girls, come here. God spoke to me. Bow down. (laughs) That ain't going over so well. You know what I'm saying? And so Joseph gathers his brothers together, and he's like, listen, I've had this dream. God spoke to me. All y'all going to bow. I'm from Virginia. All 'all (laughs) y'all. going to bow down to me. And so you can imagine the tension builds to an even greater level. The, the awkwardness builds. The hatred of Joseph builds. And that's where we come into the story today in verse 12. Genesis 37, verse 12. The Bible says this. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, that's Joseph's dad, he's also known as Jacob, those words are interchangeable, said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. And these two words are critically important. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So they were grazing their flocks. Joseph is going. He has traveled hours and hours to get where they are. They've moved on to a greener pasture. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Verse 18 says this. But they saw him in the distance, and before they reached him, they plotted to kill him. How would you like that? It wasn't, hey, look, there's Joseph. Let's get him something to eat. Hey, somebody Instagram a picture of Joseph. He's walking towards us. Hey, somebody, you know, tell Facebook mom, tell him Joseph made it here. None of that. They plotted to kill him. Verse 19. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So Joseph, in a tension-filled environment, in an environment where his brothers hated him, in an environment where God had given him a dream, he had only given him a portion of the reality and the depth and the breadth of the dream that God really wanted to fulfill through the life of Joseph, But in that environment, Joseph's father says, hey Joseph, I need you to go do something for me. I need you to go check on your brothers and I want you to go see how they're doing and then bring a report back to me. Now, Joseph knew that in obeying his father, he was walking into a very tension-filled moment. But his response to his dad was, very well. Say that with me. Very well. Notice that he did not. I think sometimes you learn more from what people don't do than what you learn from what they do, do. <laughs> Some of you are giggling, like, can we laugh in church? And so what, notice what Joseph didn't do. He didn't say, hey, Dad, I don't have time to um, go check on the brothers. If you remember, I had a dream. I'm a pretty big deal now. Um, you're going to bow. Remember that, Dad? You're going to bow down, to you and Mom. I don't know when it's going to happen, but my agent's going to call me. And we're working on this whole bow down thing. We're going to do a book tour around the bow down principle, you know, that mom and dad are about. Are you all with me? Notice he didn't say, Dad, I don't really have time for that. I'm making big plans. I'm thinking big thoughts. You know, Dad, I don't have time to go check. The brother's checking on them. That's kind of a remedial task. I don't have time for that. What I'm really looking for is the platform that I'm going to have so that all you can bow you know, bow down to me. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm working on a company that's going to sew up little mats so when you bow down, it doesn't hurt your knees. I know you're old, Dad. I don't want to hurt your knees. So I want you to have a comfortable... He didn't say any of that. He responded to his father very well very well. Dad, whatever it is that you want me to do in this moment, I've had a dream. God does have something great in store for my life, but in the immediate, you're the authority in my life and you're telling me to go check on my brothers. It's going to send me to an environment that's very awkward. It's going to send me to an environment that's very tension-filled. But because you said go, Dad, I'm going to go very well. I'm not going to argue it. I'm just going to do what you say. I want you to understand something in the process of pursuing our dream, that it would be good for us to adopt the mentality that says God very well whatever you want to do in my life very well God whatever it is you want to use me whatever section you want to put me in God if you want me cleaning bathrooms very well if you want me serving in the parking lot very well if you want me to mow my neighbor's yard very well God whatever it is you lead me to do you're the authority in my life I'm completely surrendered to you and I'm going to say very well I'm not waiting for someone to notice me yeah you can go ahead and clap that's a good place I'm not waiting for somebody to notice me. I'm not waiting to be put on a platform, God. I'm going to live a very well life. I'm going to love people that are difficult to love in my life. Very well, God, because that's what you want me to do. I'm going to forgive the people that are difficult to forgive in my life. Very well, God, if that's what you want me to do. In the process of pursuing our dream, I believe God is wanting to shape in our hearts a very well mentality, that we say, God, very well. You know, I, I interact with people sometimes that come up, and I guess because I'm a pastor, they think I have a red phone to God. Now, I bought one as a joke, but I don't really have a red phone to God. It just plugs in my iPhone. I got it at Nordstrom's. And so, but someone will come up to me, and they'll say, um, Pastor, you know, I'm going through this situation. And in two minutes, they expect me to, like, explain the will of God for them in a certain particular situation. Are you all with me? And I'm looking, I'm sitting going, I have no idea what God wants you to do. I don't, I don't, I can't from five minutes, but I do know some things that God wants you to do because He's clearly revealed them to us in His Word. Are y'all with me this morning? I think sometimes that we want to know what is. Um, what seems mysterious or what seems hidden. God, where should I go to school? God, who should I marry? God, just send someone to marry. God, should I quit this job? Should I start this job? God, should I move there? Should I not move there? God, should I do this? Should I not do that? Should I send my kid here? Should I not send... And we're looking for all these things that are mysterious, and I believe God wants to say to us, God, if you would just begin to obey what has been revealed, I would begin to reveal what seems to be hidden. Could it be that God is not revealing what seems to be hidden in your life because he's saying, hey, if you would just get obedient in the area I've been pressing on you that I've already revealed to you in my Scriptures, then as you do that, I would begin to reveal what seems to be hidden in your life. Joseph went to his brothers with no promise that going there would put him any closer to his dream. With no assurance that stepping out in Going to where his brothers were would put him one step closer to his brothers bowing down to him. But Joseph went anyways because he had a very well mentality. I believe that the process of God shaping us so that the product he wants to produce in us is a good product. The process begins with a very well mentality. I think it's also interesting from this text. Are you all still with me? I think it's also interesting from this text that Joseph um, didn't just say very well, but Joseph went and his obedience took him into a very difficult place. And I want you to hang with me on this section. Joseph's obedience took him to a very, very difficult place in his life. He knew walking out to his brothers and obeying his father would take him into a very tension-filled, possibly dangerous environment. He knew that walking out to his brothers, he was walking into a swarm of bees, a group of people that hated him, that did not like him, that wanted him dead. But yet he obeyed his father anyways. I think sometimes we think that, well, if I obey God and I just do what God wants me to do, that it's always going to be rosy and it's always going to be happy. Are you all with me today? that everything is always going to be easy. Can I tell you this morning that sometimes in the process of God shaping us, He calls us to do difficult things in our life. He calls us to walk into difficult places in our life because it's walking into the difficult sometimes that allows Him to shape the character that He wants us to have. Joseph would end up one day in the palace of Egypt, spoiler alert, and he would become basically the prime minister of all of Egypt and save Hundreds and thousands of lives because of his wisdom that God would give him. But Joseph could not stand up in the palace and do the difficult things in the palace if he had not learned to do the difficult thing of simply walking to his brothers when his dad said very well. He had to learn in a small scale before God would ever put him into the big scale. He had to learn on a small stage before God would ever put him on a big stage. Some of us are waiting for God to give us some breakthrough moment or God reveal something great to me. And God is saying, if you will be faithful with the little things, then I will begin to put you over greater things. But it's not until I can see that you are faithful in this little task I'm calling you to that I can unleash the greater thing that I want to do In your life, Joseph said very well and very well took him into a difficult situation. Now, here's what happened just to catch you up on the story. Joseph ends up going to his brothers, he gets there, and on the way there, they scheme a way to kill him. They said, Let's kill him, we'll take his jacket, we'll rub blood on it, we'll, you know, we'll take it back and say some animal killed him. But Reuben says to them, One of the brothers, he says, Guys, guys, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. And um, because Reuben planned to come back around, circle back later, rescue Joseph, and take him back home. He didn't want him to, to end up, you know, really dead. He just wanted them to think he was dead so that they would leave him alone. And so the Bible says this in verse 22. Reuben, this is him talking. He says, Don't shed any blood, but throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. So, you know, the, the text makes it sound really nice, like Joseph walked up, they're like, Joseph, take off your jacket, jump in the pit. I imagine, you know, I'm from, originally from Tennessee, and we call it opening up a can on somebody. You can use that phrase. Um, we, we, that's called a beatdown. Are you all with me? Um, you are going behind the woodshed. I don't know what phrase, you know, whatever one works for you. But I imagine that's what happened to Joseph. I imagine he came, all 11, royal rumble just happened right there in that moment. They got on him, beat the mess out of him, stripped his jacket off of him, and threw him into the pit. Now, if you could for a moment go with me to that pit. If I'm Joseph in that moment, and I bet if you're honest, and you would take your, your church face off, You're in the bottom of that pit in that moment. If you're me, I'm going, God, really? Really, this is where obedience lands me. God, really, this is my brothers bowing down to me? Because I just feel like i got my tail beat. This doesn't feel like my brothers bowing down to me. Really? Have you ever been in a moment in your life where you did everything right and it seems like everything wrong happened to you? Have you ever had a moment where you were trying to pursue God and trying to do what was right and trying to live with integrity and trying to make the right decisions and it seems like all hell broke loose against you? I know I have. I'll never forget leaning over my father's body, doing chest compressions, trying to keep him alive and here was a man that pastored a small church his entire life, loved people, served people, never had a platform, never had the limelight, just loved God, served God and didn't care who knew it. And I'm leaning over him, keeping him alive, doing chest compressions, going, really, God, this is how you pay back people that serve you? Really, God, this is how you reward servants of yours? Really? This is what happens when you try to do everything right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that moment where you're trying to love the unlovely in your life and it gets thrown back in your face? Have you ever had a moment where you're trying to forgive those that are difficult to forgive in your life and it just gets thrown back in your face? Have you ever tried to live with integrity at work and integrity got you nowhere, but everyone that didn't live with integrity seemed to jump right ahead of you? Have you ever tried to be faithful in a relationship and your faithfulness was returned with unfaithfulness? Have you ever been in a pit? That's where Joseph is. I imagine he's in the bottom of that pit. And if he—if I'm him, I'm sitting there going, really, God? This is, this is your dream for me? This is your plan for me? And I think we get in these moments. Because what we expected God to do in our life and what we are experiencing are not lining up. Often there's a gap between how we think God should move and how God actually does move. You know, we, we go into every relationship with expectations, right? If you're married, you went into the marriage relationship with expectations. You know, like, guys, you thought flannel would never come to your bedroom and <laughs> raggedy sweatpants. And, and you had to adjust your expectations, you thought it would happen every night. I'm talking about dinner on the table. But, but we go in with expectations, and there's a ga- gap. Some of, the guys, some of the guys wanted to laugh, and they're like, I cannot laugh right now. But there's a gap in the expect because when your expectations and your experience don't line up, there's a gap. And if you don't ever close that gap, then you live in this place called frustration. And either your expect- expectations have to get adjusted or your experience has to get adjusted, but for something has to happen for those two to come in line. You you have expectations when you take a job. You know, you're going to make this much. You're going to have this many direct reports or, or this is going to be your employer or, or these are going to be the benefits and this is the hours and this is kind of the pace of the work environment and this is the structure of the organization. These are the, the bonus opportunities. You know, whatever it may be, you have expectations. And then when you get there and your expectations don't line up with your experience, then there is a gap called frustration. And this happens in all relationships. And some marriages end up, you know, in, in offices like mine saying, we just fell out of love. And I say, no, you didn't fall out of love. You allowed a gap to happen between your expectations and your experience, and you never closed the gap. And so you lived in a place of frustration, and you finally begin to back away and disengage. Or you finally quit the job and find a new one. And we do this with God. Man, when everything is happening in our life, right, God is blessing, dinner's on the table every night, relationship yeah with me the relationship is good right we got a good career there's money in the bank you know things aren't blowing up our kids are listening everything is great we're like we love God and we love church you know man pastors messages have been awesome lately we love journey church we're going to be worth serving you know we're in we're doing everything is awesome when God but then when things get difficult and our obedience watch this our obedience leads us into a difficult situation and we're doing everything right and everything bad happens to us then all of a sudden God isn't coming through on what what we expected God to do. God isn't blessing then because we don't see everything going our way and we don't see favor running in our direction. But here's what I want you to understand this morning is that we set the expectations on God. God never gave us those expectations. Because what God said is not that I will make everything rosy in your life and obedience will always lead you into these wonderful places of prosperity. But what he did say is that if you'll follow me, I will walk with you through everything you ever go in your life and I'll be with you in every pit you ever face in your life. Joseph is in the middle of a pit And he could have disengaged in that moment. And some of us do that in the pursuit of our dream. And so we never realize the dream of God for our life because we disengage. When God isn't doing what we expected God to do, we begin to disengage and we begin to get distant. I've seen it happen a thousand times, unfortunately. We stop serving. We stop attending. We stop getting in community with other believers. We stop pursuing God. We stop pursuing the things of God. We stop pursuing relationship with other people that will encourage us in things of the Lord because we, our expectations and our experience aren't lining up. And instead of in the moment when we need to press into God the most is the moment that we begin to disengage the most. And if Joseph had disengaged in this moment, Joseph never would have made it to the palace and he never would have saved hundreds and thousands of lives. But Joseph remained faithful, and God used him to save hundreds of lives. And I believe this about each one of us this morning, is that God wants to use you to save lives. But if you disengage in the process of God shaping you, then you forfeit your opportunity to be used on the level that God wants to use you. But if you embrace the moments that God is shaping you, then he will use you for his glory and for your good. Are you with me so far? Let me encourage you with one last thought. And it's found in verse 36. So here's what happens. They do that. They throw him in the pit. They uh, rip his coat off. They put some animal blood on it. They take it back to his dad. Now remember, this is his dad's favorite son. Um, They take it back to his dad. And... They tell his dad that he's dead. But at the same time, they went around Reuben and they didn't kill him, but they sold him into slavery. And the Bible says this in verse 36 Meanwhile, the Midianites who had bought Joseph sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, meaning at the same moment that they're telling his dad that he's dead is the same moment that Joseph is being sold to Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's house is he's a a guard, a Roman guard, a guard of the royal guard for Pharaoh, which is where Joseph would end up being the prime minister under Pharaoh and he would end up ruling all of Egypt. So, what these people meant for evil in the life of Joseph, God had a way of turning and using for good in the life of Joseph. He put him one step away from the palace. And it would be a few more years before he made it, but he's one relationship away from the palace. And here's what I would just want to encourage you with this morning, if I could, because I just believe that some of us today are in a pit moment in our life. We're in the moment where we tried to do everything right and everything bad has happened to us. And I just want you to know this, that our God is a faithful God. That in the moments when you can't see Him moving, He is moving. Because here's what Joseph didn't know. He had no idea that Potiphar's house was one step away from the palace. He had no idea that God was orchestrating the events of his life to direct him and to guide him so that he would end up before Pharaoh and he would become the prime minister of all of Egypt. He didn't know that in the pit. He didn't know that when he was being sold to Potiphar. But in the same moment that death was being spoken over the life of Joseph, life was being breathed into the life of Joseph and God was moving him To where he wanted him. And here's what I want you to know. Is that our God really does work all things together for good. To those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. So don't you disengage in the pit moment of your life. But press in even harder in the pit moment of your life. Because although you can't see it. God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. And although you can't see his hand moving. His hand is moving on your behalf. And although you can't hear his voice maybe right now. I want you to know that our God is interceding. On your behalf, because He works all things together, because He's a faithful God and He's a good God. So, in the process of God shaping your heart and your character, embrace it. Know that He's in the pit with you. Know that He will be in the palace with you, because the God who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of your salvation when we stand before our King and our God in all of His glory and all of His greatness. Can we put our hands together and thank God this morning? That he's in the pit moments of our life with us. Will you pray with me just for a moment? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wouldn't embarrass anyone for the world. But I would just wonder today, I believe there's maybe one, maybe two, that you would say, I'm in that pit right now. I've been trying to do everything right, and it feels like everything wrong is coming against me. I've been trying to live for God, and it seems like all hell has been unleashed against me. And I've been tempted to disengage. I've been tempted to allow my passion to fade away. And this morning, God has just encouraged me, and I know that I need to stay faithful. I just want to pray for you this morning. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want the privilege to to pray for those that find themselves in that place today. If that's you, would you just mind to slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you today that you're a faithful God. The scriptures say that even when we're faithless, you're faithful. And we pray today, God, for those who find themselves in the pit moments of their life. God, that they would know that you're in the pit with them. And that you have a way of leveraging the challenging and difficult moments of our life for our good and for your glory if we'll let you. That you have a way of working all things together, not just the good things, but also the bad things in our life. I'm not saying that you send them into our lives, but you have a way of working them for our good, if we'll let you. So as this body pursues the dream of God, the purpose of God, that you have for them, and as you shape them and... You take them through a process whereby you transform their character and their heart so when they stand in the palace, they can stand up under the weight of the dream that you've given them. Would they embrace the process? Knowing that you have the ability to leverage all things together for good to those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen, and we just want to take a moment right now. If today you made a spiritual decision, if today you need prayer, if today you need spiritual direction, if today there's something we can do to minister to you for all our regular attenders, the way we do that is we just ask you to put your name on your connection card if you're a first or second time guest, and on the back you can tell us about your prayer request, about your spiritual decisions. Uh, but man, what a message, if not for today, then for tomorrow, for next week, for next month, maybe for six months ago. Um, I don't know where Pastor Daniel disappeared to, but can can you put your hands together and let him know how thankful we were that he came to share with us today.